0: Hey everyone, this is Mike DeBliss. This podcast is on collection issue updates um, as they pertain to the IRS. As um, some of you are aware, the IRS recently updated several matters that impact taxpayers in collections. This podcast will update you on the newly available information. I should let you know in advance that I am only going to touch on uh, certain areas, um, but there are um, there are more than um, more than just a few areas that these updates covered. So, to the extent that you have any questions about any of the areas that I don't discuss in this podcast, feel free to shoot me an email, and I'll be happy to respond. Uh, the areas discussed in this podcast are the financial standards, the updated offer and compromise booklet and the impact of the new law on the time to file wrongful levy claims. So let's begin with financial standards. Back on March 26, 2018, the IRS issued new financial standards to be used in collection cases. These new standards basically give taxpayers guidance uh, when it comes to preparing a collection information statement. Now, for those of you who are new or unfamiliar with a collection information statement, what it is is a a form that requires the taxpayer to disclose uh, proprietary financial information about them. Um, It goes well beyond just a run-of-the-mill checking account or retirement accounts that the taxpayer may have. It um, asks for information relating to the taxpayer's ownership interest in personal property and real estate, ownership interest in businesses, corporations. Um, It's information that really um, gets to the nitty-gritty and uh, oftentimes requires taxpayers a couple of weeks, if not longer, in order to do due diligence to assemble all of the information that's required uh, to be placed on the collection information statement. And why is a collection information statement relevant? Well, if the taxpayer decides to apply for an offer compromise, an installment agreement, to make a currently not collectible determination or to otherwise decide the appropriate course of action in a collection case, the precursor to uh, filing any one of those is um, preparing this collection information statement. Now, I am aware that there are certain thresholds when it comes to offers and compromise and installment agreements that alleviate uh, the need to complete onerous collection information statement and otherwise allow the taxpayer to um, circumvent it it's um, there's you know more of a streamlined approach to expediting um, certain offers and compromise and installment agreements when the threshold amount is below um, a certain level and so it's important to recognize that However, when the taxpayer's tax debt substantially exceeds the threshold, um, there's no way to get around having to complete the collection information statement, and that's when it would be necessary to sit down and go through the labor-intensive process of filling the form out and providing all supplemental information that the IRS requires. Now, the financial standards have their roots and in information published by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and so these are not just arbitrary financial standards, um, there is uh, some rhyme or reason behind it. Back on March 25, 2018, the IRS issued a new Offering Compromise Booklet. The updated booklet contains uh, the following changes. Uh, The most significant change is on Form 656, Section 6, uh, Filing Requirements. And um, there is a specific clause in Section 6 that states, quote, I, referring to the taxpayer, have filed all required tax returns and have included a complete copy of any tax return filed within 60 days prior to this offer submission." End quote. So again, this is a new clause that's been added to Section 6 on Form 656. And it's very practical um, in effect. Uh, But to understand why it was added and why the last part of that sentence is so significant I have included a complete copy of any tax return filed within 60 days prior to this offer submission. It's important to have some background information so um, here's the background information that um, that will help to add some context to um, this change and um, you know basically, Uh, explain why it was done and it'll make perfect sense afterwards. The IRS will not work an offer if a taxpayer has not complied with the tax laws. Compliance with the tax laws means uh, that the taxpayer is up to date in filing all of the necessary tax returns. Taxpayers who filed uh, offers and compromise realized that it was an exercise in futility to file an offer and compromise unless they had filed all of their tax returns and they were up to date and current with their most tax return. So, in some cases there were taxpayers who were not in compliance with the tax laws meaning they were delinquent in uh, filing prior a prior year or prior year's tax returns. Yet they wanted to apply for an offer and compromise. So logically, what these taxpayers would do is they would on the eve of filing their offer and compromise, they would submit a late tax return under the assumption that they are now in compliance with the tax laws because they've filed their most recent uh, tax returns that were previously delinquent. Um, and they felt, these taxpayers felt rightfully so that they had cured any defect that would otherwise prevent them from applying for an offer in compromise. Now, here was the problem with that strategy. Unbeknownst to the taxpayer, the IRS doesn't always process past due returns with the same urgency um, as it does uh, currently due returns. Um, The IRS places the most emphasis on processing currently due returns. So, taxpayers who were filing returns that were... um, several years uh, delinquent um, risked having their offers in compromise rejected because the revenue officer reviewing the offer in compromise um, had still had a message in their computer system and in the transcripts indicating that the taxpayer was delinquent in filing prior years returns. So I realize that that's an absolute mouthful, but again, this goes to the specific case of taxpayers who recognize that they have to um, get into compliance by filing prior year's returns that are delinquent, and they go back in time and they file the prior year's returns in order for their offering compromise to be processed. The problem, however, is that the IRS places the most urgency on the currently due returns. And to that extent, years uh, prior years returns basically get pushed to the back of the line. And so a revenue officer who's reviewing the offering compromise um, might, as they are looking in the transcripts, notice that the taxpayer is um, still delinquent in filing a prior year's return, even though the taxpayer in fact submitted that prior year return on the eve of uh, submitting the offering compromise. As a result, well, what would happen is that the offer and compromise would be rejected because the taxpayer had not met the threshold condition of being in compliance with the tax laws. The new requirement, <laughs> now we get to the new requirement, is that the taxpayer must attach returns filed within 60 days of the submission of the offer. And this new requirement allows the IRS. Offer group to avoid rejecting cases for lack of filing compliance and to get a view of the liabilities a taxpayer owes in advance of the actual assessment. The warning about waiting for the resolution of outstanding audits or claims should be considered in the context that an offering compromise acts as a closing agreement resolving all matters concerning the years covered by the offer. Uh, so that's very important. It's a very important distinction um, to note that um, the warning about waiting for the resolution of outstanding audits or claims has to be considered in the context that the offer basically acts as a closing agreement resolving all matters that are covered by the offer and compromise. The taxpayer can't go back and seek a refund after obtaining an offer, and the IRS uh, certainly can't go back and seek an additional assessment. It's important to resolve issues for the years covered by the offer, um, but unfortunately, many taxpayers don't appreciate the scope of the offer with respect to the years it covers. Now, for low-income taxpayers, they continue to receive a benefit when applying for an offer because they are uh, the the fee is waived uh, for the offer, and um, they don't have to remit a percentage of the offer um, at the outset. Um, most uh, most CPAs and tax professionals know this, but many individuals filing offers pro se um, may not um, may not know this and may not appreciate the benefit. Uh, So the new booklet um, goes out of its way to make this uh, clearer. Wrongful levy claims. Um, Some of you may be familiar with Revenue Code Section 6343B. Um, Revenue Code 6343B previously required taxpayers to make a wrongful levy claim within nine months of the taking of the property. Uh, For some people, this time frame was woefully um, short uh, because they didn't even learn about the taking during that nine-month time frame. So in an effort to correct that, Congress increased the amount of time taxpayers have to seek the return of property when they believe the IRS has wrongfully taken their property while trying to collect uh, from them. So um, that's basically uh, what um, you know, Congress attempted to do to cure this um, nine-month uh, time frame and the fact that there were a number of complaints alleging that it was um, woefully too short. It was corrected in Public Law 115-97 um, and that is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, the way it was... Uh, cured is that the Tax Cuts and Job Acts extends the period for making an administrative claim to two years uh, from the previous nine months. And if the taxpayer makes an administrative claim during that period, the time to bring suit is extended for 12 months from the date of filing of the claim or for six months from the disallowance of the claim, whichever is shorter. So, it's like an A or a B here. Um, uh, First, uh, the first remedy that the Tax Cuts and Job Acts um, extended is the period for making an administrative claim from nine months to two years. And to the extent that the taxpayer makes an administrative claim during that period, the time to bring suit is extended for 12 months from A, the date of filing of the claim, or B, for six months from the disallowance of the claim, whichever time period is shorter. This um, change basically applies to levies made after December 22, 2017, and to levies made prior to that date, if the nine-month period under the prior law had not yet expired. If you have any questions about the topics covered in uh, this update on collection issues, feel free to shoot me an email and I'd be more than happy to um, answer them for you. Hope this was helpful.